get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, you hear the excitement in my voice. It is the SOC MMA Pod back with a bang, folks. Your boy BCD Brian Campbell. Flyweight madness over the weekend at UFC Abu Dhabi uh, 2 or 3. I don't know what we're calling it. Fight Island Volume 3 is where I'm going to have that. We're going to break down all things Davison Figueredo. Uh, big wins across the board. Askar Askarov. You better ask yourself. Uh, that division is red hot. We're going to look ahead, of course, to this weekend's final stop on the Fight Island Tour, giving us a fantastic card headline. By Darren Till, Robert Whitaker, the future of the middleweight division. Uh, I won't say at stake, but it'll be a big part of this seven seven fight main card. Seven fights on a main card. What is happening here? All right, let me bring in uh, really, you know, one of the most uh, respected men in the history of this sport. He's a former champion. He's a Hall of Famer. He's walked through earthquakes to get to the microphone today. <laughs> That's me bringing the heat. That's me bringing the heat. Does this guy not bring the heat? It's Sugar Rashad Evans, my friend, my man, my cohort. Uh, I got a lot of 125 pound men on my mind. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I am good, man. I'm good, BCA. We got some good fights this weekend, man. They uh, they delivered, man, in a big way with some little guys. Oh my God, what a doozy, you know? What a doozy. <laughs> By the way, that was Joe Rogan's call of your head kick on, on Sean Salmon back in the day. Uh, Rashad, I'm fired up. Okay, we're doing good. Uh, life is good. I'm going to be on vacation starting Saturday. Um, well, okay, we're, now, I mean, it, it's a lot of quarantine action going on around the world, around the nation. So where are you going to spend it? I know last year you were in Vegas and you got sick. So where are you going to be at? Okay, uh, I got I got a little lake house in Massachusetts. Going to spend the week, the kids, the dogs, the wife. You know, get out on the pontoon or whatever. You know, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe do some. What's that stand up paddle board crap? You ever do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yabs, right? Let me let me start. I got to get out the Rashad. Uh, that's that's a South Florida thing for sure, man. You ain't living in South Florida unless you have a paddle board with with. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there on the sand. It's a weird thing. There's two lakes, and in the middle of the two lakes is a strip of land. So I'll be renting a house right there on the middle. So I got water in the back, water in the front. I mean, you know, junk in the trunk. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, an absolute great weekend from that standpoint. If he was a girl, you would say he has a badonka dog. <laughs> that dude's got some big legs. All right, Joe, that was weird. Um, so, yeah, I will be uh, letting off some steam. I turned 4-2. On oh man, the big four two, the yeah. big four two. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, getting a little older here. Uh, you know, haven't died the grays in a while, but we are here. We're alive. We're doing well. Shout out to all you fighting the good fight out there. Uh, quarantine and everything else. Uh, wow, wow, Rashad. Uh, sometimes you just got to stop, press pause, and say, "We living." You know, we living right now. We living. Right? We living. Absolutely, BC. Got to be blessed, man. Sometimes I need a good kick in the pants, too. <laughs> All right, my wife's giving me a few of those. Uh, uh, BC, get your shit together. I'm waiting for you this summer. But we're back. We're ready. We're good to go. Uh, Rashad, people don't want to hear too much about my awkward life. But uh, we do have a new, uh, I-, I call them the Lone Ranger in town. Look, the 125 division has been uh, wild. We had an all-time great guy atop it for many a year in Demetrius Johnson. He didn't get the respect he kind of deserved and the love over time. 
I will say Henry Cejudo used his star power to save this division. But Rashad, when you're in that midst of the unknown and we need a savior, I'm not saying necessarily that Devin Figueredo, Devison Figueredo is the new savior of this division, but his decapitation of all things Joseph Benavides in their vacant title bout rematch on Saturday at least had the feeling that there's a shift in power. I don't know if it's welcome to the Figueredo era, but I do know it's welcome to a new era for 125. We got a few killers, and they're going to make some fun fights. And oh, by the way, they are here to knock you out. Are you drinking the same juice that's got me high for the fly right now? <laughs> I'm high for the fly as well, my man. And I, and I feel you too because, listen, I mean, when Demetrius was there, you know, he was a great champion. He fought really well. And, uh, you know, he, he, he set a, a Hall of Fame uh, record when it came to coming and being a 125 champion. But he didn't capture the imagination of the people because he wasn't putting people out. You know, with, with, with Figueredo, we, we send somebody that has power, that has violence, and he's bringing violence to the 125 weight class, which we haven't really seen since the conception of the weight class. You know, uh, he, he fights like a guy that's much bigger than a 125 pounder and just, you know, just a nasty, devastating uh, style of fighting. And yesterday, I mean, in, in Saturday, it was kind of like, you know, you, you're watching the old style versus the new style. And I hate to say it like that, but that's kind of, that's kind of what it was. And that's kind of what Joe symbolized, you know, the old style versus the new style. And, you know, uh, Figueredo just looked absolutely amazing, um, confident. And I kind of felt like he was going to have that kind of performance based off of what happened in the first fight. And, man, the 125 division, he back, baby, he back. Trust me, trust me, he back. Um, I'm not sure I was woke enough to what he had been building. I watched the Tim Elliott fight, fun as balls. Watched him get by Pantoja. Didn't necessarily, though, Rashad, get the feeling that this guy was the future of the division. And we, again, aren't going to know that until he can put together some title defenses. But he blew away an elite guy in Joseph Benavidez, not only once, but twice, and more violent, more uh, demonstrative the second time. And when you look at what this cowboy brings to the table, wild hair, crazy confidence, like a badass swagger to him, knockout power, the intention of destroying you. And oh, by the way, if the fight goes to the ground, he's as good as, as any of these elite guys in terms of his grappling skills. So, Rashad, it went from let's marvel at the greatness of Mighty Mouse but not really be overly entertained to a brief stop in Cejudo land. But I think this new set of guys from Brandon Moreno to Askar Askarov to Pantoja who set an insane pace in their fight on Saturday, like this is, has the potential to be a new era in the division because it's not just the track meet style that we've come to love with the 125ers. It's now the, the greater possibility of, of, of violence and explosions. Yeah, and, and also, you know, uh, these, these um, 125 pounders, you know, they're built different. You know, they got, they got a different physique. They're not the shorter stature type of guys that are just dynamic short fighters. These guys are actually taller guys with, you know, with, 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 with um, pretty decent height. And, uh, and I think because they have the pretty decent height and because they're, they're bigger guys – they have that power and they, and they have the, the power that we didn't see with, with the smaller guys, you know, because the other guys were true, true small guys. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see 
just just a different and a, and a faster pace from these guys and, and a more violent style with these these new uh, 125-pounders. Yeah, we got Bob Aram's take on Figueredo. The guy has balls. <laughs> he fights like a tough, tough gang member. Like a gang member. All right, maybe he wasn't talking about Figueredo there, but it is applicable at the same time in terms of what we saw. I know Dana doesn't want us bringing that up. I want to see boxing pull bigger numbers. I'm not Bob Aram, I'm that crusty dick. All right, okay, let's put that to the side. Uh, Rashad, so... You know, we got a maverick now. We got a real guy to get behind atop the 125 division. It comes at the right time. I think that we're going to start to see some bangers because that featherweight bout it, that opened the card, Askar Askarov, Alejandre Pantoja, what, the number three and I think seven guy ranked in the division coming in, uh, that was as fun a flyweight fight as I'd seen in a while. Pantoja said a stupid, insane pace. And Askarov fought off submissions left and right. And then he's the guy still going in round three as Pantoja's sucking wind. I mean, this is going to be fun, Rashad, how this thing plays out. Who should get the next crack at, uh, or the first crack at Figueroa's title? I think it's got to be uh, uh, Askarov. You know, that, that was a good fight. But you know what, though? I, I, um, I didn't see it as, as the judges seen it. You know, I thought that Pantoja uh, won that fight. It was a dangerously close fight. But I, I felt as if um, the submissions attacks and things that Pantoja was doing uh, were, were a bigger threat than just a consistent pace um, that, that uh, um, uh, Ashkar have. Uh, and, and plus, I mean, I, I, like, I like Pantoja's style more for the next challenge because I think that it would be uh, more exciting because of the fact that if he gets taken down, he's going to be attacking you the whole time off your back. There's not going to be a moment to to, to take a, a rest, you know. But I think with um, uh, Ascar style, you can, it can it can get kind of stagnant a little bit, you know. If he doesn't have a dance partner who's going to be moving as well and keeping the action uh, from getting stale. Yeah, I mean, look that we saw the very best of Askarov from the entertainment standpoint because Pantoja was pushing that pace. I, I liked uh, Askarov's counter punching. I liked his wrestling. I liked his stamina and mentality. Uh, if he doesn't get it next, and you know, and I do, I do agree with you that there's an argument to make that Pantoja could have won that fight. Uh, it may end up being Brandon Moreno, who let's not forget, you know, he lost to Pantoja in 2018, but he's three zero and one since then, and uh, decision wins over you know ranked guys like Formiga and, and Kai Kara France, and then he had that split draw with Askarov last September that was you know uh, a fight of the night and certainly an, an insane back and forth affair. Uh, I love having somebody to root for in some new fresh matchups. But I will admit, Rashad, I got caught up in the Joe Benavidez career arc storyline. Could he be the fly we, flyweight Michael Bisping at the end oh, of the day? Man. You know, we wondered this. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bisping should have maybe given him this advice. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. The chin has to be tucked. Ask any striking coach. Karen, you're very good at reading the teleprompter. We are the fighters, okay? The chin. Wow, wow. did you still care to make him a sandwich there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right there, okay? Bisping's <laughs> uh, so point is every time uh, Figueredo touched him, Benavides was was hurt and going down. And uh, Rashad, this not only was a storybook ending not meant to be, I mean, this was as freaking devastating an ending for a guy, his fourth and likely final chance at the full title. Uh, no, it ain't going to happen. He's going to be the bridesmaid forever. And uh, Rashad, how does a fighter, you know, sit with that at the end of the day? 
I was really impressed with his, uh, you know, post-fight interview and just the composure that he had and his ability just to wear it. You know, it, it, it's so hard to sit there and accept your dreams just shattering right in front of you and there's nothing that you can do about it. It's so hard to have that happen, but um, he did it and he faced it. And I think because he was able to sit there and face it, it's not going to be something that, 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 um, that stops him from moving on in life and whatever he chooses to do. You know, sometimes when, when people can't move on, it's when they have a hard time just accepting the reality of life that they can't change. And um, he, he's shown that he, he has, he's shown that he has stopped it, you know? Yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, Rashad, I do give a lot of credit um, to the fact that him and Megan Olivia's wife live a very, a very public life in terms of, you know, people seeing behind the scenes, uh, dealing with what you just mentioned. And I thought that th- that couple deserved a lot of credit after the first loss to uh, Figueredo and Norfolk when UFC cameras followed them and they allowed that, you know, very intimate look at like Olivi picking Joe back up emotionally afterwards. And, you know, you saw her tweets again after this loss, just being like, I mean, it was, it was, it was quasi Mr. Weidman like, I mean, you know, where you're almost like, mm-hmm. oh, is that a little bit too much. And everybody, thank you. And this is <laughs> my boy. Like, okay, pops, like let the guy grieve. But Megan was so supportive and lived something very intimate and personal between them out in the open. Rashad, I respect that a lot. As awkward as that is, uh, you know, I love the support from wife to husband and all that. And look, it's no penalty. You're not, it's no, nothing damning about Joseph Benavides for more than a decade being one of the best in his division, more or less, and, uh, or close to a decade and retiring as, you know, one of the better fighters not to ever win. It doesn't change who he is. So all I'm saying is kudos to them for living it because I'd probably still be crying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it, it was definitely tough uh, being in both of their positions, you know, Um, and and especially for her having to be the first person to – to be there to see, you know, many people after they lost, you know what I'm saying? And how they handle it, you know? So um, you, you got to have a thick skin too when it's your turn. And uh, it's, it's sad because when I was watching that fight, you know, and I was watching Benavides lose like that, it, it felt to me like this was like the last time we're going to see him. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't feel like there was, there was anything left after that. And you just kind of seen that, even with himself, like he gave everything for it. You know, there was no excuse being made after the fight or anything like that. So when you give everything you have and, and, and you have done everything uh, that he's done, there really is nothing else left, you know? So there's only one, 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 uh, one way to go. And uh, it was just kind of sad to see that because it's, it's an end of an era, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen a um, moment that emotional – in the fight game since this classic Ultimate Fighter Jam. Let me bang, man. What to do that, man? Let me bang, bro. I do. Let me bang, I man. do lay back. Let me bang, bro. 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 Let me bang, bro.
Let me bang again. Okay, okay, let's bring it into that. Rashad, you can't live that down. That's your soundbite claim to fame, right? Nah, not not let me bang, bro. Just the 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 the, the depth of of let me bang was disturbing. We I got lost in what were they were talking about for a second. <laughs> bang with somebody. Let somebody stand up and bang with me. Please, please. Uh, hopefully, Joe will still bang. Uh, I love me some Joe Benavides, but the story, Rashad. Uh, to bring it full circle was Figueredo 19 and one for the 32 year old Brazilian. Well, that one loss to Juicy A Formiga in March of 2019, and his UFC wins. And by the way, he's got uh, eight of them. Includes knockout of Moraga, submitting Tim Elliott, decision over Pantoja, two finishes of Joseph Benavides. Uh, hey, you know he keeps this up. He's going to end up effing around on someone's pound for pound list. I'm telling you. He's on that kind of run. All right, Rashad, uh, I want to break down more of what went on this card, including that big middleweight co-main event. I did want to remind you of something. Um, Did you know that baseball is back? I I did not know, BC, but please give me the breakdown. I need to... Apparently, these, these long ballers are back at it, and uh, chicks still live, dig the long ball, but uh, opening day Thursday, July 23rd, for this uh, weird and shortened season as Garrett Cole and the Yankees face off against the defending World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Rashad, if I had offered you a million and a half to name who won last year's World Series, would you have been able to do it? Because I, I wouldn't have. I, wouldn't. I, I don't. I, no, I don't. I don't. I know. Okay, no. Who does know? The Fantasy Baseball Today podcast at CBS Sports. They know a lot of that ish. And all week long, Scott White, Chris Towers, Adam Mazur, Frank Stamfel are going to get you, okay, Rashad, you ready for this 60-game sprint as well as everything you need for week one in your fantasy matchups. You can find Fantasy Baseball today on Apple Pod, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to find products. Uh, Rashad, they're doing an 80-game baseball. That sounds a lot better than 162. Yeah, BC, I was, I, was, I, was, I was loving what you were saying, and I almost interrupted you a couple times to say, man, it sounds like it's actually better, and, and it's going to be – I mean – Listen, I, I I love baseball, but I like baseball when it gets to the playoff like everybody else. It's just a hundred and something games just too long. By the time it gets to the end of the year, I'm just kind of like, I, I, I want to celebrate because it's almost over. I'm just tired of seeing it. I mean, before, back in the day when we didn't have these like TV and streaming options and video games and things like that, social media, Rashad, a full season was like the only game in town, right? Every night we turn yeah. I mean, it could be baseball, it could be the 82-game NBA season, whatever your, your non-pro football-ish is right. sports. It's like I couldn't get enough of it, but I don't think we're in that kind of generation anymore. So um, maybe that's what we like about the fight game. Every, you, know, the, you fight so little, two to three times a year, that it makes each matchup sort of like the NFL or college football mean so much more. Maybe that's what we're, we're in love with. You know? That's exactly it. Yeah, okay. That's exactly All these other sports can wake up and be like, we ain't, we ain't down for that. You know, for example, randomly, the Philippine Basketball Association does three mini seasons per calendar year. I, I think they're, they're onto something, right? They, they were like, people, people can't, uh, they don't have that attention span. They don't tune in until the playoffs anyway, okay? Right. Thank you. All right. That's all I got to say. There's my speech for the week. Uh, welcome to the big leagues, indeed. Yeah, I know it's your first time involved in something like this. Welcome to the big leagues. Um, after this, you'll be back to the undercard, believe me. Wow, wow. Thank you, Mike. Um, so, Rashad, we're going to pause real quickly here from our friends and sponsors. But on the other end, Jack Hermanson getting deep in our middleweight feel hole with a big win. Be back in two and two. 
And we're back. BC Rashad Evans recapping the third trip to UFC Fight Island Abu Dhabi. Rashad, that middleweight co-main event, I was getting all up in my Kelvin Gastelum feels coming in about this being a crossroads opportunity. Win or go home. Uh, he's home, bro. He's home because Jack Hermanson needed 78 seconds to heel hook his ass and really get a surprising tap out of nowhere. Rashad, I want to give Hermanson the dance floor the rest of the way. But it's tough because you could tell Gastelum came in real good shape. He had the whole man bun thing. You know, he's effing around on top of his head. He was ready to win, and this thing was over before it started. Um do we have to say it now? You know, loot losses in three in a row. He might not be who we thought he was at middleweight. No, I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because he has brought so many great performances to the weight class. So I'm not going to say that, BC. But what I would say is this right here. Listen, sometimes people fall down and it's just harder for them to get back up. It's harder for them to find that stride because they, 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 miss that thing that made them what that was and they don't even may, may not even understand what that thing was but i think with, with calvin you know um i think he touched on it a bit uh when he's talking about the things that went wrong after the israel fight you know and i think he talked about some of the personal issues and and things like that and i think and from what i've seen it still looks as if like and and this is why i picked him to not win the fight is because when I was listening to the interviews, it, it seemed as if like he's trying to convince himself. And, and, I, and I know that language because I used to speak it fluently. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've done many interviews where, where I'm like, man, I, I, was, I definitely was trying to convince myself. And, and, that's what I, and that's what I heard in Calvin's voice. You know, I just felt like um, going into that fight, he wanted to make, you know, that fight to be the splash coming in there with just three weeks of preparation and, you know, uh, having a great competitor in Hermanson, somebody to get him excited to fight. Because one thing after you, you fight the best and you fought all these legends, you need to fight somebody who gets you excited to fight. So we had somebody excited to fight, but Hermanson was just not the style for him, that no. not the comeback style for him. This was not Kelvin's night. I speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. He needed a little more of that. Deontay speak it, believe it, receive it. Uh, He didn't receive anything but an L, Rashad. So quickly to end on Gaslam, let me ask you two hard questions. There are some – look, we already already discussed there are some who believe he was never elite, but I say – Watch the tape, right? Rewatch uh, the Vitor Belfort fight. Watch the Israel Adesanya fight. What about those people who say Adesanya, you know, kind of, kind of beat the fight out of him? That he may never be the same from that fight. Do you put mm. any potential stock on that? That was a five round freaking war at two three six. I'm gonna tell you right now, and, and I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes you have fights like that, and and it does change you. It changes. It changes your ability to go in there and fight at that level because when you know what's on the other side of, of, of going hard and, and stuff like that, and you know what you remember what it feels like to be hurt and how, how scary it was to, to make it through those scary moments in a fight. Yeah. It, it definitely makes you think twice, you know, it makes it, it definitely sticks with you. So I don't know if that was a fight, but if he's never the same, that's definitely, you know, what I would say was a turning point in his career, you know, um, and, and, and not for nothing too, you know, when, when you're climbing to the top, you, you have a, a mindset of what it's going to be like once you get there. 
And maybe once he got somewhere close to it, none of it was what he thought it was. So now he needs to reconstruct in his mind what it, what he wants it to be when he gets to the top, because you, you have to have something to chase, but it has to be something mentally for you that drives you. It can't be the same for everybody. And when you, when you dismantle that belief, then you have to build up another story and go with that one. Wow, that's deep. I like that. I like that, Rashad. Uh, let me flash you quick. The other thing going around, hey, uh, hey, chubby guy, cut down to welterweight like we all <laughs> thought you should and just get in the right shape so you can fight in your own weight class. Is there any truth to that, that maybe this is a sign from the, from the MMA gods that middleweight don't want you, Kelvin? He's in a, he's in that position because like he was right at that transitional point, you know, he was a transition from uh, one school of fighter to another school of fighter. And now, you know, I think he's going into that era where, you know, he's going against some true middleweights, you know, the, the, the guys, the size of Israel, the guys, the size of Darren Till and, and Hermanson, and these guys are bigger guys. So what, what he was able to do and capture uh, being the younger, faster guy going against some of these older guys and knocking them out, he was able to do that and, and be the new kid on the block. But now, being the older guy on the block, he's going against the guys that are just bigger. Yeah, nobody you know? wants the old guy at the club, Rashad. We have all <laughs> I know how it feels to be the old guy at the club, man. He's got the white loafers on. He's looking at all women from the chest down. Yeah, I've seen that guy many times. Glad I didn't become that guy. Came, came close. I did go on spring break in my uh, my 24th and 25th year of life. That's quasi-gross. It's close enough, right? It's close enough, that it, it but it, you know, it's still quasi-gross, right? I mean, you, you have a baby face, BC, so I'm sure he's able to pull it off, you know? Okay, okay. things happen. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. A few hours in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a few of those. But uh, yeah, shout out to um, Jack Hermanson because that's the guy we should be giving more time with. Rashad, this is five wins in six fights. And uh, this is pretty damn impressive. Like, how, where, where does this place him now? We know that we're going to get Till Gas, sorry, Till Whitaker next week. We know that we're going to get Adesanya Costa in a couple months. And we know that Jared Cannonier is still slowly coming back from injury. Um, what does this win do for Jack Hermanson's title hold? It does a lot. You know, it does a whole lot. And it, and it kind of shows that um, he's able to bounce back. You know, he had a lot of momentum after the fight with Jacare, but then lost it. But now he's gotten him back again. And he's showing that he's, he, he's, he's found – that area where he can dominate, you know, and, and that, that's, that goes, that goes when you're able to, like when you're able to see a guy who's able to make that next level and a guy who made challenge, challenge for the belt, you see a guy who's able to find an area and a craft, a skill, and you see, you know, you know, if that guy gets that mostly anybody in the weight class is in trouble. And I feel that with her man's and I feel like if he gets most of the guys in the top uh, down, uh, especially, um, Israel down, he could it could be he can be in some trouble because he's got some size, he got some strength, and he has some catch grappling ability that you don't see from the other the other traditional grapplers in the weight class. So uh, he's looking very promising. And the, and the one of the biggest things that I've um, when I looked at Hermanson, I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It was his his 
Yeah, his his stand up. He is a little he's a little bouncy with a stand up. A little bouncy that can get him in trouble. But that awkward bounciness, that that in and out herky jerky type style, you know, it, he can find some success with it. But when he goes against guys who are um, more talented striker, he's going to have to find a way to bridge that gap and find a way to use more like a uh, more like a a more powerful strike and get into the positions that he liked, like a grappling position, you know? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, I'm still, you know, I, I'm going to give him his due. Like, this is a big win. I'm still not <laughs> I believe he could beat, or he would be. He could be. Uh, he could beat anybody. I'm not convinced yet that he would be a legit threat to, to dethrone the top two or three guys in this division. But this, you know, this win brings him closer to getting a chance to answer that. And I think at this point, he is in that one phone call away area, Rashad, where like, oh, that guy's hurt. That guy just fought and lost, and this guy can't travel. Hey, Jack, you got the next title shot. Like when you're, when you're within a phone call away, that's a good spot to be. So shout out to him to get there. Uh, what is his greatest strength, though? Is I, I, I say it's his, 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 his catch uh, grappling, wrestling, jiu-jitsu ability. You know, um, I've seen good jiu-jitsu practitioners before. But I think there's something so clutch about the way that he does it. You know, he's just so in control about it. And even and just, you know, catching situations like you've seen him with with guessing them, you know, uh, not much set up to it. Just kind of like on the fly. You give me this. I'm going to make the biggest opportunity out of it type of situation. That's a guy who who's. Uh, very, very proficient in his grappling, who spends a lot of time on just every single intricate detail, you know. So uh, I, th- I think that's where, that's where he's, he's his best at, you know. And he's big. He's a really, really big guy, too. So that size is a problem, too. Uh, when you get a win like this, it can be easy to overrate a win like this. It can be easy to underrate it because it happened so fast that you're like, oh, we didn't really get to learn about this fight, what we were supposed to. I mean, the tap out from Gastelum was that, like – reserved angry not really in trouble but no i can't get out of it tap that like fedor gave uh for doom remember uh uh brock gave mir in the first fight you know almost like oh crap like you know like this is gonna end bad why don't i just eject now uh that's gotta be like seriously we're talking about taking tough l's how does benavides bite down on this how does gastelum when it's like you, j- you never even got to get dirty, you know? Oh, my gosh. That's the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst feeling in the world. And um, that's the hardest part about getting over a loss like this is because you didn't really get the fight, you know? And, and you know that there's a part of you that, that feels like, if I just would have got free, I would have been able to do this and do that. But at the same time, you have to just accept it as it is. And that's the most frustration part, most frustrating part with, uh, you know, being in Gesselin position is is not being beat twice. You know, you already got the loss, but then not being beat again by yourself by not assessing the loss the way you need to so you can move past it. it athletics is crazy in this single-minded devotion. I remember uh, thinking, you know, when you watch the Olympics and you see a sprinter who worked four years for this one nine-second race, and, oh, he falls starts twice. <sighs> like, that's it. See you next time in four years. For a fighter, um, I mean, it, it can probably feel like that. Like, I mean, you think of a Jose Aldo against Connor. They did two long training camps with wild interviews, right? And they get to that point, and Jose loses on the first punch. It's like he never even got to find out what the real answer was in that equation. And, and, and here's the worst part about it that only a fighter would really understand is that you have to wear your last loss until you get 
a win. You know what I'm saying? So you're only good as your last fight. So if you go out there and get heel hooked, then you're just going to be out there looking like heel hooked heel hook Henry for, for until your next fight, you know, and people are going to be looking at um, you, you're going to, even though they might not say this, but you're going to be feeling like they're looking at you like, oh my gosh, this guy just absolutely trash. You feel that on the inside until you get your next win. So he's got to, he's going to feel bad until he, he's going to be chomping at the bit to wash himself from this feeling. And that's why fighters get into those consecutive losses rut because they want to just wash that stink from that last performance off them and they can't yeah, it's you like, know? like it's like uh certain hard drugs you know you can't you can't recreate that first first high <laughs> you're chasing the tail you chase it well, uh, i get in a lot of trouble at home rashad playing xbox with my 12 year old sons and we play you know an nba game and it gets really heated and i end up drop throwing a controller and walking off and yelling at people and you know there's people in my house going what the hell's wrong with you you're an adult you know and i'm like you don't understand okay you- <laughs> this kid beats me that's fine but beat me i don't want to lose one of those games where the computer screwed me over if you, you know they don't understand right right it's <laughs> to lose my game don't for me okay dc I, I feel that i feel that pain i feel it thank you very much i can only do it on the uh, 12 year old xbox level these guys get to do it inside of the cage uh just the same but big win <laughs> for hermanson uh rashad you could argue like big big night for flyweights big night for hermanson but how about our collective lust for when we as mma fans see fresh meat in the cage when we see someone that just sparkles that we're like oh my god I think I see the beginning of like a, you know, not an era, but like a, this guy might be special. Raphael Fiziev in his lightweight bout with Mark Jacasey gave me a bunch of those feels, Rashad. And it wasn't like it was one-way traffic the whole through. You know, Jacasey would have some rallies in there. But I saw a big, fast, strong, in-shape uh, warrior in Fiziev who was also doing weird Matrix-like crap where he's bending backwards to avoid kicks. Like, who is this gentleman two fights into his UFC career, and, and why am I just learning about him? Dude, he is, he is phenomenal, man. Um, you know, I, I've watched, I watched some of his, uh, his Muay Thai f- fights before, you know, because I've seen it on uh, a few um, Instagrams. You know, they, they had the clip of him just dang near bending all the way backwards, just avoiding the kick. And I was like, man, who is this guy? And I watched him uh, ever since then, you know, here and there. But, uh, you know, his – I didn't see his his first few fights in the UFC, but this last one just showed. You know, I picked him winning this fight. I just didn't think that, you know, he'll look so calm, collected, his combination striking, his, his poise inside the octagon, his ability to take the fight almost any single place. And, um, you know, he honestly – he shows that – that the level is getting better and better and better. And um, it, he's going to be a hard off yeah. for anybody, man. Yeah, he had a lot of those like intangible it's. That you oh my see. gosh. Almost like glowing inside of him. Like, uh, like when you look at, remember in the movie predator, when the predator's goggles could look around in the jungle and see Arnold, because he can only see the blood moving in the body. That's yes. like, it's like I'm watching this and I'm seeing things jump through the screen. Um, Fazeev also went for leg kicks. Like he was looking to, like, screw the fight. I want to make sure that this guy's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Like, that looked like the dark intention in his face. So uh, he is now 8-1, two wins in a row in the UFC. He had lost his UFC debut to Magomed Mustafaev in April 2019. Wow, made it through that last name. And uh, Rashad, he's 
only 27 from, from Kazakhstan. Uh, it, what is it with these regions, man? You know, you come from the uh, the Kazakhs, from the uh, you come to us from um, Dagestan. We we're going to expect a, a sideboard like demeanor, and we are expecting you to come for that ass. Well, you know, I mean, listen, BC. Every single one of those guys, if when you start doing the research on them, they all are master of sports. You know, they they have a level of competing that even before they get into the level where we know them, they have to be a master. You know, they have to compete against each other, even get on this the the, the even the the stage where we can even hear about these guys. So, uh, you know, they're very proficient when we hear about them and when they get to this level and they're masters. So, you know, his stand-up ability, um, it, it's, it's, it's something you see out of, you know, out of, uh, out of Sung Chai, you know, in, 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 uh, in Thailand, just completely amazing, you know, Fun, fun, fun fighting style. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you watch on the internet and you want to be like, man, I want to fight like that. Unbox type of stuff, you know? Hey, Rashad, random to this conversation, but relevant because I see it over your shoulder on your well laid out wall of artwork, honors that, that serves as your CBS Sports HQ backdrop. I see you in that Hall of Fame picture wearing the jacket that you get, you know? That's yeah. Yeah. So- you know, representative like the gold jacket at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the green jacket at the Masters. What becomes of that jacket after you get Hall of Fame eyes? Because it's not like situations where you're like, oh, it's my nephew's wedding. Yeah, let me grab the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that same exact thing. I was like, man, what do I do with this jacket? It's just going to just sit here. So I think I'm going to uh, hang it up somewhere. I think I'm going to put it in in a, in a, uh, in a nice little case and, okay. and hang it up there with maybe like a picture and, and something with some nice words or something. I'm down with that. I'm down. I mean, I mean, you know, you can probably role play with the, with the lady once in a while, but most of the time that thing's going to stay in the, in the uh, closet. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's like these girls with closets full of bridesmaid dresses. You're never wearing those again. Never wear them again. Again, uh, Rashad, also on this card, how about this submission finish from one Ariane Lipsky? Oh, my gosh. Out against Luana Carolina. It was a minute and 28 seconds in a knee bar. But this was like like if I was playing around with my kids and I just like manhandled them. And I mean, the bend on that leg, I've never seen that in an MMA fight. It was a very awkward submission just because it was like almost, you know, it, it was I mean, almost like accidental like she was like oh she's trying to go for my leg and she almost had herself in a in, in a knee bar her you know she almost had herself in a knee bar and then she's seen the leg there and she's like let me just pull this and just it, it was a great it was a great submission to be honest you know it was a really that good like submission. Some white belt shit to fall into that though yeah very much so very much so it it, it was very white beltish and uh even even with just just that whole position was just very white beltish but she, she, uh, you know, she got a submission. And, and honestly speaking, I didn't really think that that fight was even going to touch the ground. I thought it was all going to be just standing and, and just fighting, you know? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Rashad, anybody else on this undercard uh, stand out to you from their performance here? Uh, a lot of people talk about lightweight Armand Sarukian with that uh, decision over Davi Ramos. I don't know if you were moved from the Armenians' uh, work there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that one. I missed I miss that. I missed that one. Um, I, I saw Roman Delije get a big TKO. 
uh, Grant Dawson got a win, and then I don't know, whatever. Who cares? Who, Rashad, I'm sorry if it's if it's like, if you can't make the you know. I'm sorry. There's only so many fights I care about. Hey, Rashad, you know what I do care about is this weekend's card. Yeah, uh, it's the fourth and final stop in the two week span on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. Only that's probably not true because I think they know what's buying a house as we speak. And uh, you know, if these COVID things continue going sideways, we're all going to be in Abu Dhabi before it's all over. But this is a great one Saturday night on ESPN. Whitaker Till, your middleweight main event, and uh, look, this is you know this is a pay per view level fight here. Uh, Whitaker's first bout since getting knocked out by Adesanya, first bout since really coming public with some of the stuff he's gone through, not just physical and all those injuries that happened in the aftermath of the two Romero fights, but the mental grind that came with constantly being in training camp, that whole GSP thing, right? Constantly preparing to outsolve a guy who's coming for your livelihood. It all hit the fan for Whitaker, yet he's back in a fight where if he wins against a rising Darren Till, he's probably next in line for the middleweight title. So uh, what's your confidence level that it's the same Bobby Knuckles of old? Um, not, not very high, to be honest. And... Uh... Just because, you know, there's been so many start and stops in Bobby Knuckles' career and as of late, you know, uh, it's hard to get some momentum going, you know, especially on a mental level, especially when you're already speaking about struggling on a mental level uh, from the starts and stops. And then you have another start and stop uh, after suffering a very devastating uh, emotional loss to your rival. You know, it's not it's not an easy bounce back fight, especially against a guy in Darren Till, who's now um, who's over that hump, who's over that mental hump, who's who's who now is is on the other side of the mental uh, of, of the mental, I guess, um, problems that 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 gets a fighters. You know, he he's facing it. You know, he's very upfront and open about you know, how he's wanting to leave fights because he was too nervous and didn't give into it. You know, he's faced it and he's come out and open. So now he knows how to deal with those emotions. So, you know, he, he's, he's in prime shape and uh, he's in a weight class that he doesn't have to stress his body too much to make the weight. So now he can just be the big fighter that he, that he is. He knows that he has a power to, 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 you know, to fight those guys. Um, so, he has a he has a problem in front of him. Bobby Knuckles has a problem in front of him, and uh, you know, can he go out there and, and and have a great performance and be the Bobby Knuckles of old? Yeah, one hundred percent. But I don't think so, man. I mean, he's so well rounded. He is like so much like the prototype kind of perfect fighter in some ways. Like he he may not be a plus plus in in some of these categories, but he's like you know a minus b plus in everything, and he's a solid ass tough out. And going through 10 rounds with Romero will change a man straight up. But I like that he's at least publicly dealing with the mental warfare that comes with this. I don't know. I don't know if you can have the confidence that he's going to be 90% even in there to see what we get. But Rashad, I'm here to tell you that the same people that had issue with Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum's resume and actual elite standing coming into his fight the other day, I'm that same guy in Camp Till, and I've always been that guy. He's only 27. He seems to have figured out how to still be the big damn gorilla, as he calls himself, in a new weight class. He's still monster size. But I don't look at his run since becoming a thing and do anything but pick it apart. Like, yeah, I liked the way he looked at middleweight and taking a split decision from Kelvin Gastelum last November. 
it wasn't necessarily overwhelming, though. He gets knocked out by Masvidal before that. He gets destroyed by Woodley for a title shot he I don't think he deserved before that. He edged Stephen Thompson before that in a fight I thought he lost. And it was the fight before that against Cowboy that we kind of first started taking serious note of him. Mm-hmm. And he'd be, you know, he knocked out Cowboy Cerrone in a time where a lot of people do when he's taking his third or fourth fight in a row just for the check and doesn't care who he's fighting and sort of goes in there and you catch him. So I'm not here to say that Till's a bad fighter. I'm just here to say that if you're telling me you can see the future and we're getting 75% of who Robert Whitaker is, I'm still telling you he beats Darren Till, Rashad, okay? It is what it is at the end of the day. Prove me wrong. Uh, no, I, I, I can see exactly what you're saying, and I, feel exa- and I feel it, and I feel exactly what you're saying too. But, but for me, um, my, my question is, is just – you know, uh, how Robert Whitaker is going to fight, you know, how's he, how's he going to be in there? Uh, is he going to start, you know, um, you know, getting his movement going with those fast, that fast up jab that he does getting off to the angle and not allowing, uh, Darren Till's pressure to, to walk him down and get him fighting on that back hill a little too much, you know, um, that, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing that makes me, you know, give pause in this, in this whole fight. But I feel you, man. If, if I'm putting my money anywhere, I'm going to put it on Robert Whitaker. I am. All right. Let's X's and O this real quick. Um, what kind of fight are we going to see? Who's going to be looking to do what? I like Till's size. I like a lot of the solid foundational things Till does. I just don't look at Till as a guy who can raise his game to, the, to that super elite level to become a legitimate title contender. Um, how will you know this is a Darren Till fight? What will have to happen in the first round? Well, I mean, he's going to have to uh, definitely get uh, Whitaker on his back heel, pressure him back, and get that good body kick going. You know, Darren Till has a great left body kick that he throws and he bullets it in there. But also, he has a nice little bounce, too, in his little step. You know, he has a nice little bounce and, 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 and nice, nice motion there. He has to get that going uh, with, that, with that jab. With that jab, he's going there. That jab, boom, left body kick. And keeping Robert Whitaker on his heels, not letting him get a chance to get that up jab going, not letting him get a chance to look creative in there because sometimes Robert Whitaker can get in a position where he's not moving forward, but he'll just put his knuckles down and then he'll just like move his head left to right and looking like he's looking for an opening on you. And it freezes you. It freezes you as, as an opponent. And, um, you know, he, he cannot allow – Robert Whitaker to get like that because when he gets like that, then that means that Bobby Knuckles is coming out. And when Bobby Knuckles comes out, then it's a wrap because Bobby Knuckles is one of the slickest, most beautiful fighters in the 185 division, man. His striking when he puts it together, the way he flows, he can take a big shot. I mean, everything about him seems to be textbook there. He's got, you know, athleticism, toughness. He's got it all. You know what I don't want to see happen? And, and this is for his, you know, for his own sake, obviously. I, I don't want to see him turn into Roy McDonald overnight. I don't want to see him show us fights, Rashad, where we're like, okay, skill-wise, he's still there. Intention-wise, he seems to be saying the right thing. He's still there. But either his body or his subconscious, something won't let him be the guy he used to be. I don't want to see that happen. You know what I mean? I want, if he's going to win or lose on Saturday, I want to see the Bobby Knuckles of old come back and we define it that way. I don't want to have it defined where, you know, he loses the decision or whatever, but you're like, you know, was that really him? Did he really, you know, can, can he be him again? You know, I, I hate that yeah. feeling when you're watching somebody missing 
that one thing that used to make them great. Yet they can still look it. You can still look close enough. You see Roy McDonald the last two fights. It looked, it looked good enough, right? But they're, they're, that the Red King is gone, right? I mean, like they like he left that back in the cage with Lawler. Like it's you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he yeah. Had it in the first Lima fight when they went five hard, but it's gone now. Okay. So that's so BC. That's that's what I'm saying when, when I say like when I'm looking at the momentum like uh, of Theron Till going into this fight. You know, for him. This is this is a new mountain that he's yet to climb. You know, for Robert Whitaker, this is one that, you know, he's been on for a while. He defended. He's he's had many battles on it. You know, it's an old battling stump for him. He's just trying to muster up the strength to climb back up it one more time and um, trying to find the motivation to see the prize as a new guy who's never tasted it. It's sometimes hard to match when you're the old dog in a cage because what, what it comes down to is, you know, will. I mean, whose will is bigger than the other guy's will once to get in the cage? And that will is determined by who sees the prize at the end, the bigger, you know, the biggest. Indeed. Indeed. Well said. Uh, can't wait for this fight. Prediction-wise, it's a three-round co-main event fight. I'm sorry, it's a five-round main event fight. <sighs> You know, I got I got to go Whitaker, and I think I'm gonna go. You know, if he's gonna be the Whitaker of old, he's gonna finish Till. I'm sorry, that's what it is. It's not that Till's got this. You know, if Till can be finished, okay, we've seen it. If he's gonna be the Robert of old and win this fight, he's gonna finish him. So if you're gonna give him five rounds to do it, and he's gonna be close enough to who he is, he's big. He gets on you. That yeah, third round stoppage for Robert Whitaker. Ooh, okay, okay, man. Um... I like that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm all in the air about the way I feel, you know, because I can kind of feel there's a Robert Whitaker that can show up and be the Robert Whitaker of old and and look as good as he's ever looked. But with all the starts and stops, uh, and being the the title contender for so long and just not being, uh, I, I I like I like Darren Till. I I think Darren Till is is finding himself. And sometimes, you know, it takes, it takes uh, some time to find yourself. I think at 170, he fought there for too long uh, and just couldn't make the weight and just couldn't admit to himself that he was not that fighter there. Um, I think at 185, he's, he, he's growing into, uh, into who he is as a fighter and being the fighter that he could be. And I think that right now he's surging, he believes in himself and, and he's fearless in a sense. So I like Darren Till in this fight. I like that. I gave the emotional pick, looking more at what was than necessarily what's guaranteed to be. And you came straight up with just the look. This is the guy that's red hot. And the odds makers at William Hill, they got minus 110 for both guys. So they can't pick this one either. It is dependent upon one man being who he used to be again. So Rashad, uh, we move on down this card. Seven fights on the main card, but I got to give this card credit. There's at least four legitimate fights I need to see. And then they sprinkled in some names throughout the rest who who are interesting. Uh, How moved are you on this washed on wash crime, but respect to the legend when two Brazilian light heavyweight heroes do battle for the third time. Shogun Hua, Lil Nog Nogueira. Um, I don't know if this was necessary, but, you know, it, this is a, a better idea for me than, you know, let's put Shogun in with some rising stud. Like, let's do this. Let's do this slop style. I'm in for this. <laughs> I'm in for it, too, man. Listen, 
here's one thing we know that we're going to get with both of these guys. We're going to get an exciting fight. You know, they're both old dogs and uh, it's going to be a little bit sloppy, but we got our slot bowls ready because we want a little, we want, we want the sloppiness. We, we're ready for it. But, um, you know, in, in the last fight, Nagara, I thought, uh, I thought could have won it, man. He, he, he knocked, he knocked Shogun down uh, pretty good. And uh, it, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty close fight. So in this one, I don't know who's going to win, to be honest. I think that the fans are going to win because both of these guys are, are, are at the end, and this may be their last fight. So we might get to see something spectacular. Yeah, Rashad's like, hey, put that, that slop, put it on me. I want you to put it on me. I want you to try to do your best to put it on me because that's the only way I want it. If you don't give me everything you got, I'm going to be pissed off. That's what she said. Hey, all right. You know, all right. Rashad, the history of these two goes back like this. Shogun Hua... June 2005 took a unanimous decision over Little Nog in the uh, 2005 Pride Middleweight Grand Prix quarterfinal bout. They meet for the second time all the way back in 2015, which you referenced. Fight of the night as Shogun takes another unanimous decision. I'll give Shogun this credit. He got to a certain point not long you know, you know, not long after losing the title and then the two wars with Dan Henderson, where we're like, okay, He's still in his early 30s, but he's over the hill. Yet he's maintained like a respectful, a respectable over the hill run of late. When you consider his last six fights, which takes us back to that little Nog win in 2015, he's four one and one. Like that ain't bad. And- it's it's not bad at all. And it's even surprising because you you I mean, when? When? Like when? Like when <laughs> like I haven't like it was it was it was like he did it. Very, uh, I don't know, very covertly. You know, he's been on the run. I mean, it takes a decision from Little Nog. Split decision went over Corey Anderson, which is a really good win. Knocks out John Volante. Then Anthony Smith got him. And then he comes back to knock out Tyson Pedro and take a draw with Paul Craig. So, uh, you know, he's lingering. He's hanging. What would you guess is Mauricio Shogun, who was age right now? Man, he's got to be at least 40. One forty. I, I would have guessed that about a decade ago. He's still thirty-seven. What? I remember when I would I would think he was forty and he was still like thirty-two. So uh, we've been here a long time. Little Nog, forty-four years old. By the oh, okay, yeah. Taro, uh, he was knocked out by Ryan Span of May of last year, uh, and he he helped you avenge your loss to Sam Alvey when he knocked Alvey out in twenty eighteen. All right. Uh, that's a slop fight that I'll be there for. And then this heavyweight debut for former light heavyweight contender Alexander Gustafson is very interesting, Rashad. He retired. Now he's back. And he's going to face a guy who we don't, uh, again, know what we're going to get, and that's Fabricio Verdun. Mm. And very hit or miss of late. This is a really interesting fight. I really don't know what either guy's going to look like. Well, if we're judging from what Fabricio looked in his last fight, uh, he didn't look too good in his last fight, you know. In his last fight, it looked as if, like, the time away wasn't spent uh, training. It looked as if, like, you know, he was kind of undecided on whether he was wanting to come back or not. You know what I'm saying? Had one foot out and one foot in. So, primarily speaking, this fight is going to break down to, from Fabricio's standpoint, of how much does he still want to do this? How much does he still want to be there if if he wants to just – go in there and just get a paycheck, then it's going to be a, a very painful 
uh, night for him because Alexander Gustafson is is recreating himself. And a guy who recreates himself in a new weight class is not an easy win. And he's going out there to, you know, to try to show that he can be a force in his weight class. And, and honestly speaking, this might be the weight class for him already because he, he's always had that, that heavyweight body and, and almost that, that heavyweight movement, you know. Um, he's going to be faster than those guys. He's going to carry some power. Uh, and, and, he, and honestly, he, he might look like a world beater at this weight class of heavyweight. I'm actually excited. It's crazy. So a couple things are crazy here. The gap between light heavyweight and heavy still amazes me how, like, you could be looking like you're done at 205. And, you know, to be honest, Gustafson, he wasn't done, but he wasn't going to be the same guy anymore that we came to know through the first Jones fight and the second, you know, in the Cormier fight. And, you know, I didn't like the version I saw of him in that Jones rematch. And he just, you know, injuries got in the way. So he retires and we all go, well, you know, a little surprising, but, you know, he's 33. Go ahead, dude. Like, you know, you're probably only downhill from here. Yeah, now he's 33 at heavyweight, and you're like, well, he's 6'4". He's skilled. He's quick. He might be a dark horse for this division. So uh, it's very interesting how easily that shift happens there. And, you know, you're right. I don't see a lot of heavyweights that strike exactly like him. And, and you know, if that speed matters, I mean, this look, Ryan Bader's maybe a little fresher when he moved up to heavyweight to, to join that tournament in Bellator, but it could end up being the same thing where when I watch heavyweight Bader, I'm like, that's a guy who can box and he's quick and he'll, mm-hmm. he's got cardio and he'll out wrestle you. Whereas hey. at 205, I go, you know, that's just another guy, right? Heavyweight Bader's a problem, man. He looks phenomenal at heavyweight. And I think, I think Gustin's going to look phenomenal at heavyweight too. You know, I think with with his style, he's always had that good amateur boxing style that served him really well in in uh, in the in, in the light heavyweight division. But I think it's going to serve him even better now in the heavyweight division where they struggle to against fighter who has um, great progression with their punches, meaning the fact that they put consecutive punches right behind each other. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's one thing that Gustin really, Gustin did really well at light heavyweight division. If he can carry that over in the heavyweight division, he can be a world champion. I can't wait to see how that plays out. Another fight I really like. It's women's strawweight, so you know I'm going to be front row, Rashad. But former champion Carla Esparza has oh, put together a nice little three-fight win streak. Uh, that win over Alexa Grasso was big, fight of the night, and then a split decision win over uh, Karate Hottie, which was like, okay, is Esparza a thing again? Well, we're going to find out, Rashad, because 33-year-old Brazilian Marina Rodriguez, she might be the sleeper of this division. Never lost as a pro had that fun majority draw against Cynthia Calvillo in December, but she pretty much housed Tisha Torres before that. She's had some good performances where you're like, we might have something here. I think we might have something here with this fight. Submission specialist against that straight-ahead wrestling pressure style of Esparza. It's going to be a, a good little scrap on Saturday. It is, man. Uh, Rodriguez, she's, she's an amazing fighter, and she's so close to just being such a dominant fighter. But the problem is, and the reason why she has those two draws is because, you know, she, she starts off and she's kicking butt the first couple rounds, but then there's always a one round where she loses and she loses big. It's like a 10-8 round, and then it ends up being a draw because she has lost two 10-8 rounds, you know? And that's the story of her both of her draws. So you're looking at a fighter who, if she can just stay focused the entire 15 minutes, then, then, then this conversation about her is, man, she's going to go in there. It's going to be a landslide against, 
you know, uh, the cookie monster who is finding her stride, but has a hard time fighting a style like, like Rodriguez, who has that really good snappy punches and who has the ability to neutralize uh, stand-up attacks. Rashad, it's, it, Carla Esparza's career arc is so weird in the sense it's like, you know, she wins the UFC championship in basically her first UFC fight after winning the Ultimate Fighter season and submitting Rosnama Yunus, which, you know, obviously in hindsight goes down as an even bigger win than it was at the time, and then loses the title in her first defense to Ioana, and it's like she's been two, three wins in a row and looking solid. But I never thought she looked sense as like future title contender again. She's always looked sort of better than average, but not super elite. And I give her credit for coming back from back-to-back losses. And now she's on a three-fight win streak. And, you know, you can argue now this is the best she's looked in a long time. But is any of that mental for her potentially when you come in as the champ? And then you lose it, and then it's like, where do I go from here? Before we figured out who she really was as a fighter, and before she figured out who she really was, she had already been the champ and lost it. So I can't figure out if, like, that was a representation of her not being good enough and the division has grown past her, or if she just never put it back on track. Yeah, I I think uh, that is a big emotional, psychological blow when you start off and you're the champion. And then after that, you can't even come close to even sniffing the competition at the top. You know, it is demoralizing. And I think that's something that, you know, um, she had to reconstruct who she was around. I think now that we've we've seen the new surge in Cookie Monster, I think it's her coming to terms with just that that whole situation and her feelings behind that. And now... um, finding a way to compete and, and, and uh, recreate um, that goal in her mind. Remember, like I was saying earlier in the show, you know, when you climb the mountain or when you're at the top of the mountain and you, you, you fall down, you have to recreate what it is to be at the top because you can't chase what you've already lost. You can't chase what, what, what you've already seen, you know, because it's not going to be the same. You have to find a new hunger. Yeah, in hindsight, her title reign was just four months, so that that had to, uh, you know, come and go pretty quickly. But that's a good ass fight. Uh, we're gonna get some Cowboy Oliveira back. Is there any other fight that 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 you're circling here on this undercard? I mean, I got one. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for go a second. But, uh, I mean, you know, my girl's coming back this weekend, right? You know, Who? You, you betcha. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 bet. Oh, she's 37. I would not have guessed that. But, you know, she's off that pretty damn good win over Sahara Eubanks to, to really stem that tide of losing. And uh, she's back in here against Pani Kia, Kianzad. Is that is that all I'm going with on there? Uh, Kianazid from Iran. You know the chick I'm talking about. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Did she win this? Is this should, should I get excited for Betch? Are we going to see the dance this weekend? Because this is the fight I care about most, all right? I think so. I think I think in her her last performance, she showed that you know she's turning the corner. She's turning the corner, and um, you know she she's figured some things out. And like I was saying, you have to you have to go through that. So uh, I look forward to have a strong performance. And you know I know she's been chomping at the bit to get to compete again. So it's going to be exciting to see what she comes and brings on Saturday. Uh, Tanner Bosser, the Canadian heavyweight, making that quick turnaround after knocking out Felipe Linz in uh, late June. He's going to be back on this undercard as well. Francisco Trinaldo in the preliminary card main event. Uh, That should do it then, Rashad. I'm fired up. This is a good card on paper. Let's do this, all right? 
Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Watch it. Let's endure. Let's enjoy. We've endured many internet problems on today's show. Shout out to the producer, Mikey Mormile, for keeping us together. Rashad, do you have any closing message here for the people entering another weekend of fights? I do not. I do not, man. Uh, just, you know, thanks people for uh, supporting us and, you know, making State of the Combat what it is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, folks. Thanks for allowing us into your ear hole. Uh, we, we, we enjoyed it in here. Thank you. We like it. Uh, two words from the folks here uh, at follow us at State of Combat. And uh, you know what? We out. We out.